Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good morning and welcome to Women Lead Radio brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Diane Callahan, your host of The Lighthearted Life, and our topic today is Facing Adversity with Laughter and Lip Gloss, two of my favorite things in the world. And our leading lady, our guest for today is Carrie Madrid, who is the founder of the Care Project Incorporated. She's an author, podcaster, and care doula, along with millions of other things. Good morning, Carrie. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm great. How are you? I am so good. Carrie, I've been looking forward to this radio show for so long. Um, Folks, I need to let you know, Carrie and I go back a ways. Um, I've been a guest on her podcast and called Handle with Care, and um, our conversation lasted so long we had to break it into two segments. And so today <laughs> we promised each other that we're going to keep it, you know, keep it short. But that's hard to do because there's so much to talk about. Um, Carrie, I'm just really excited to have you on the show, and and to talk about the things that we're going to talk about. Um, how do we come through challenging times, adversity, journeys through illness, things like that, with, um, you know, with joy, with purpose, with um, a new focus in life sometimes? This is what I call the souvenirs that you can bring back from a journey through illness. So, Terry, I want to say that we are celebrating with you this year it has been 10 years. This is your 10-year anniversary this year. Is that right? It absolutely is. 10 years since diagnosis in 2012. Okay. That is amazing. So the first thing I want to ask you is talk to me what, about what it's like to be 10 years out from probably one of the hardest things that you've ever had to go through. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So, you know, the thing is, (laughs) being diagnosed after just turning 41 with an advanced stage of cancer, you know, it was stage three, I had lymph node involvement. And so when you hear that, you know, that's a sobering reality of your mortality to the 10th degree. And so being 10 years out, I will be completely honest with you, as you know, I keep it real, it Mm-hmm. On some days, some days it feels like it was just yesterday, and other days it feels like a lifetime away. You know, I know that feeling. Um, this year, I'm celebrating my 15-year cancer anniversary from when I was diagnosed with stage four blood cancer, and there's been it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> That's all I can say. And yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be here for three um, days, right? Yeah. uh, Yeah. So, and then this year, 
earlier this year, um, I had the uh, uh, joy, <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word, of <laughs> being um, diagnosed with breast cancer as well and going through that journey. And as you have gone through, although my, my breast cancer journey was um, has not been as difficult as yours was and had been, um, but I'll tell you, uh, it's, it's sometimes I feel, do you feel like this? Sometimes when I look back on it, it feels surreal. I mean, it feels like a, some crazy Alice in Wonderland down the, you know, the rabbit hole experience. That's just, it's yes. hard to yes. uh, believe that we went through it. Do you feel like that yes. too? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Every day when I am working, whether it's for my nonprofit or the podcast or whatever, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I say to myself, I can't believe this is my life. Yes. Yes. And then other, like you said, other times, like there are things that will happen. For me, um, it smells often that trigger me. And I feel like mm-hmm. I'm right back there. Like there's a, almost like a PTSD that happens. And I'm like, oh, I could, it, it, oh, it, it yes. like comes into my body. Yeah. Yes. There's a definite, it is not a like, it is a definite PTSD trauma factor. I mean, for me, just a a prime example is I wear glasses sometimes to work. And in order to clean them, I have those little like alcohol wipes, you know. And the minute I split one open and I go to clean my glasses, I smell that alcohol smell and it takes me back to a port flush, you know. And that smell, yeah, I almost have to like my nose because it's very triggering for me very triggering for chemo and then when you said the port flesh you know what happened to me I almost tasted the heparin in my mouth yes like you know yes. when they would flush and you'd get that little taste and I'm like mm-hmm. <laughs> okay no yeah it's, so for, it's all those things for sure and and for our listeners you know hopefully most of them have never been on a journey through cancer or an illness like that so Maybe a lot of people are like, cannot relate, but they're probably listening very intently because all of us have been on a journey through illness, whether it is we who are the patient or whether we're holding the hand of a loved one or a friend um, who has gone through some kind of illness. And so it's really good for all of us to, to take the time to try to understand what this journey is like and you know the the best way to the people that understand the best are people who have gone through it obviously but I I love I want to talk about your book real quick um handle with care now I got a copy of that book you know a few years ago when you and I first met and I have to Mm -hmm. admit I didn't read it at the time because I was like this is a great book I'm going to read this right but then of course it didn't happen and then I get my diagnosis and I'm like where's my book Where's my hand? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing, the beauty about that book is it's, it's a handbook, right? And so it's very yes. small. It is not something you have to read from start to finish, chapter to chapter. You can, it's, it's 12 breast cancer survivors. There's a previvor in there. There's a male patient in there. And we give our varying, and they're very diverse perspectives, on different aspects of the of the cancer experience. So whether it's chemo, going bald, radiation, it's tips, it's tricks, it's perspectives 
that you get to hear from 12 different people, some who only believe in science, some who are religious, some who, are, you know, do the combination. And so it's just a great handbook for not just mm. anyone diagnosed, but for those that love somebody who's been diagnosed, because my favorite chapter is what not to say. And you and I have had lengthy <laughs> conversations about that. <laughs> that was my favorite chapter too. I was like, yeah, yeah. And I mean, for any kind of a cancer journey, um, you know, it, it, and I, you know, I feel for people because it is, it can be awkward to know what to say and, and to say the right thing. And, you know, I mean, most of the time, we are able to give people grace and understand that they're just, they're, they're doing the best they can. Right. But I loved one of your, you called your, uh, the people, the 12 people that um, contributed to your book, you call them the hive. And one, one person in the book cracked me up because I think it's a woman, but she was went by her initials, but I think it's a woman. Um, she was like, like one of the questions was something about like what, uh, brings you joy or something like that and she's like nothing i got by on anger <laughs> and i was like yeah you know that's we all, how it goes we all, sometimes yeah we all process differently and we all have to use whatever tools we have in that moment right in that fight or flight something kicks in and you know whatever you may have experienced in life prior to your diagnosis shapes your behaviors and your survival yes. techniques Right. So for me, I'd already been through and a bunch of junk. So for me, it was, okay, yes. I can either laugh or I'm going to cry. So I'm going to put on my lip gloss and I'm going to laugh my way through this. Not to say I didn't take it serious, but what are your odds? I mean, what are your choices, right? Laugh, cry, crawl in the, under the covers. I'm going to laugh my way through it. Right. That's exactly what I tried to do too. But in the book, just like you said, keeping it real. I mean, people who are reading the book will, some people will really those comments from that um, contributor will resonate because there is anger in going through this. There is grief in going through this. And it's not all like, I'm just a strong survivor, you know? I mean, yeah. and so what I love about the book is that there, it resonates for everyone. And, and, and of course we have different, some, sometimes we're the strong survivor and sometimes we're the one that's pissed off in the corner saying, I hate this. I hate every bit of it. You know? Oh yeah. There's no there's there's it's ebbs and flows. Kind of like grief comes and goes. It's the same thing. Your emotions are all over the board. And today you may be mispositive and sunshine and rainbows, and tomorrow you might be that angry. You know what? That's just gonna bite everyone's head off. But that's how you're gonna get through. And it's okay. Yes, it is okay. I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to take a quick moment to recognize one of our sponsors and then we're going to come back and get into some more stuff because there's just so much more to talk about. So um, Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be one of the largest private nonprofit universities founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the United States and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Thank you for your support, National University, and to all of our sponsors and our partners. Now, we're back to the lighthearted life, and with us today is Carrie Madrid. Carrie, um, one of the things I talk about a lot is that, like I mentioned, that we have 
these souvenirs that we take from um, a journey through illness. And I feel like one of them can be finding a new purpose or a, a, a new purpose for an, a new stage in our life. And you actually said that in your book, that you found a, the purpose for the last half of your life. And I want to talk about that because I think part of that was um, creating the Care Project Incorporated, your nonprofit organization. So how did you decide to start the care project? You know, just to keep it real brief, right before my diagnosis, I was on a walk up a local mountain and I had a conversation with my creator and said, what am I supposed to do with the last half of my life? And I kid you not, I rolled over in bed two weeks later and found two tumors. And I was like, yeah, that's not what I had in mind, but okay, let's see where this goes. <laughs> now, I didn't take that as a, okay, well, I'm going to have cancer and I'm going to start this. I just was like, okay, this is not what I intended to do with my time. But as I went through treatment, I was organically meeting others that were going through and sharing their challenges with finances in particular, and also just the emotional support. You know, your family gathers around you. They try to love on you, your friends. But unless they've been there, done that, they don't really get it. And then financially, people were choosing between $100 copay for chemotherapy or $100 in groceries to feed their teenagers. And as a single mom who barely got by check to check, that hit me hard because I did have financial support with my dad. So I just... Um, looked at my friend Christina because we're both fixers, right? We don't have a lot of resources, but if we see an issue, we're going to try to fix it. And I said, we got to do something. And she was like, what are we going to do? We are two single moms. We barely get by. And I said, if we can figure out how to pay our bills, we can figure out how to help others. And that's how the CARE Project was born. I love it. I love it so much. And that's what I love about the CARE Project is it's local. It's, um, it's, it's, organic it's like if you need a few bucks to 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 pay your electric bill or whatever it is we're here Mm -hmm. we're here to help Mm -hmm. you with that we and i love what you say like don't don't even think about not getting your medication we'll help you absolutely and and you said something in your book that in the book that i love so much you said that before cancer you were just surviving now, mm-hmm. as a survivor, you're really living. Absolutely. Isn't that interesting? Uh-huh. It is, and, you know, that I think that that probably resonates with a lot of other survivors and thrivers that we both know. But for me, it's, mm-hmm. it's really um, because, you know, I became a mother at 18, and so I literally graduated high school and entered the workforce, and I just worked my butt off for the last, you know, I don't know how many years, like I said, from 18 to age 40, I was literally just surviving life, getting by. I married young, divorced young, ended up a single mom of three. And so when cancer hit me, it it forced me to slow down, stop, take stock in my life, and it really gave me purpose other than to just survive. And since then, my life has completely changed, and I would not take back my diagnosis for it. I love that so much. I remember um, when I was first in treatment 15 years ago, and a woman I worked with at Riverside Unified School District said, someday you're going to be thankful for for this. And I literally said, um, <laughs> do they know you drink on the job? Because are you insane? <laughs> 
and yeah, I was going to say, so did right. you cut her out, Diane? <laughs> well, I just was like, what? And um, yeah. but, the, but she was so right, just like you said. I would not change this. All, all the hard stuff, all the surreal stuff, all the smells that bring PTSD, all of it. I wouldn't change mm-hmm. it. And I know some people would, would say that we're crazy and they would change it. And I love and respect that. But yeah. for both of us, it has brought us riches beyond measure mm-hmm. from what we've gone through. Absolutely. 100% and, and agree. I, yes. And, and I love representing that to people so that they can, you know, really grasp that. One of the things I like to say is there's no such thing as back to normal. And truly, there never was. I mean, there's no such thing. As we right. go through things, as we grow, we, we're moving into forward to better all the time. And forward yes. is the only direction that we can have. Yes. And, and that's what you are doing. Now, now let me ask you this. If, if there are people listening and um, someone is thinking about, you know, creating and starting their own nonprofit for their own passion, what advice would you give them? Call me. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> Go to Carrie, go to, go to CarrieMadrid.com and then call me. No, it's one of the things that I do now is serve as a consultant for those like me who have this passion to make a difference somewhere in their community, um, whether it's small or, or nationwide or global, and to really have that conversation that I wish somebody had with me or that some tried to have with me, but I wasn't trying to hear it uh, because mm-hmm. there's a lot to it. Starting a nonprofit isn't just rainbows and sunshine and and, oh, I'm going to make a difference and la, la, la. No, you are starting a business. You are starting a business yes. with real responsibility, huge cost, a lot of stress factors, and you may be able to fulfill that desire within by volunteering somewhere. So it's just really good to talk with someone kind of like mentoring another cancer survivor who's already been there and done that. So you can get that feedback from somebody, um, things to think about, right? Yes, because – One of the most important things is to try to make sure that um, you're not duplicating something that already exists, you know, a nonprofit that's already doing what's in your heart. And because if we, when we do that, we're really kind of like, um, you know, we're just spreading so thin. If there's some, if there's an organization doing what you dream of, you can join forces and, you know, bring all your power to that mission. Absolutely. And I think one thing important to note is, you know, there was organizations, because I get that question all the time, why would you start a breast cancer organization when there's already so many? Well, what I did is I Mm -hmm. surveyed what was happening in our community and saw gaps of support, right? So you could go elsewhere and get a wonderful wig, education, support groups, all those lovely things, but they didn't do the financial portion, right? And so that's where Mm -hmm. I aim to fill in. Now, having the ability to look back now, I may have attempted, knowing what I know now, to go back and say to them, I would love to help you champion a new initiative within your organization to do this. And if they said no, then I would progress on with what I did. But if they said, oh, well, we'll consider it, that would have been a great way for me to do it without having the stress of being the business owner, if that makes sense. So it absolutely makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that, you know what, but, 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 so much has, has come out of what you've created with the Care Project Incorporated, not just, you know, the, the serving people with your mission, but 
uniting people, bringing survivors together to have social opportunities to be with people who speak the language. Yes, and to include male patients. Yeah. Yes, that's one of my favorite things whenever I mention you, and by the way, I talk about you a lot, and the Care Mm -hmm. Project and your book, I always talk about male and female patients because male male breast cancer patients are – are the silent minority for the most part. Yes. They are so underrepresented, you know, from marketing, you know, everything is pink, and I don't care what you say, pink sends us automatically reeling to that's a female disease, and it's not. You know, it's one in eight women in the U.S., one in 833 men. And so mm-hmm. I've even heard doctors say, well, that's only like 1%. Okay, but what if that 1% was your father, your husband, your brother, your uncle, your grandfather. You know, I know a woman named Lori who was on my show. Yeah, your son. My, uh-huh. This woman, Lori, was on my show, and every male in her family had been touched by breast cancer. So it's oh, real, wow. and we need to talk about it. So I'm about not duplicating, not trying to put anyone else down, but I'm going to bring to the forefront the conversations, the people who are underrepresented, and so on and so forth. So that's that's why... I think that makes the Care Project special, like you said. We really are different. We're grassroots, we're volunteer-run, and we're run all by survivors. Um, And I love that, too. And by the way, I'd like you to tell me about the Luau coming up. Yeah, August 27th is our main fundraiser of the year. We host one fundraiser every year. So it's just a casual Luau and silent auction uh, with some live entertainment. We've got some dancers, some music, food, drinks, all the things. Um, but it is our one chance to really show the community what we do, let them meet the, the patients that we serve who will be there. And um, mm-hmm. it's really necessary to raise funds because with the pandemic, it almost took us out financially. You know, we rely on monthly donors through our care club, fundraising events. And as you know, for the last two and a half years, having a fundraising event was just about out of the question. So we've moved yes. operations home. We've closed our office but moved operations back to my home to save on overhead and to do all we can, But and we're continuing to apply for grants, but we really want the community involved. Absolutely. So where can people get their tickets? Thecareprojectinc.org. Our website okay. has everything, the book, the podcast, the Luau tickets, and all the information. Fabulous. That is awesome. Now, um, and I'm going to be there. That's my plan. Uh, and so we're going to have a good time at the Luau, and we're going to celebrate all this, all these survivors, all the work that um, that you've done to bring people together um, and to get the community involved. There's something Thank you. else. Well, first of all, there's two more things I want to talk about in our in our few minutes we have. Um, tell me a little bit more about your podcast. So much fun, right? So it's called Handle with Care, Cancer and Beyond. And myself and our mutual friend, Chris Donovan, he's my co-host and producer of thisisfunner.com. And he put out a blurb on social media right at the beginning of the pandemic. Hey, if anyone's looking to do a podcast, I had never even listened to one. And I was like, well, what is that? So I hit him up. I hit him up and I was like, let's talk about this because there's so much, there's so many conversations that need to be had about mental health and cancer, the PTSD, the trauma we've spoken of earlier. Right. And then just all the, what not to say, what to do, how can you help, how to be a better patient, all those things 
We need to talk mm-hmm. about them. We need to normalize death and dying, that conversation and preparing for it. And so we did it as a trial and error and um, – or I should say it's a quick trial. And within a week, I think I had seven episodes recorded and I absolutely love it. <laughs> it's been therapeutic for me. It's been heard worldwide. And I just love doing it. Giving people a voice and information is so powerful. You know, giving people a voice. So often when we become the patient, our voice is taken away. You know, we feel like we are just part of a system. And yes. what you have done, yeah, and what you've done is is created a space, a safe space for people to talk about all the aspects of it, what it's like, what were the challenges, what did they learn, how to be an advocate for yourself. You know, what do you do when you're – and this is – I'm just going to say it. We can't get into it, but – what do you do when the people that you you thought were going to be there for you, when they mm-hmm. ghost you, when they like mm-hmm. they're they, they're nowhere to be found? And, right. And go ahead. Carrie, well, we keep it say? real. We 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 keep it real, and I think that that needs to be said. That podcast is not always for sensitive ears because we keep it real. Patients are told, mm-hmm. "Oh, just stay positive. Just do this. Just do that." And and we're given all this. Um, unsolicited advice oftentimes that is well-intentioned but doesn't land well. And we explain why, and we give patients a safe space, like you mentioned, to keep it real and to validate their feelings. And that is therapeutic for me as the host. It's been therapeutic for Mm -hmm. Chris, who's never even been diagnosed, and for the guest, as you can attest to. Yes. Yes. And and I love that you point that out, Um, and it's an important thing to say. You know, yes, it does help if you can stay positive. But the truth of the matter is sometimes you can't stay positive. It's lonely. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Uh, you don't – sometimes you're in the hospital and you're awake at 2 a.m., which is the worst time with all the worst doubts and fears, and that's all real. And the truth is we're, that's, we're meant to experience that. And um, mm-hmm. that's part of the growth and the journey and the experience. And I want, before we go, I want you to tell me a little bit more about being an end-of-life care companion. You just got mm-hmm. certified as a care doula. Tell me about that. Yes. I realized, you know, after eight years of running the care project, I have walked a lot of people on their journey to prepare to die. Those that were metastatic and became terminal and then approached end of life. And there's something so beautiful and so humbling. And it's such an honor to walk beside someone as they prepare to die. And it's such a taboo topic, especially in the United States. And so I did attend uh, this course, um, at School of Accompanying the Dying with hospice nurse leading the charge, Deanna Cochran. And I have just become a certified end-of-life care doula, which is also referred to as a death doula. And basically, I'm walking beside you. I'm helping you prepare emotionally, financially, um, just logistically, right? Making lists, Mm -hmm. uh, getting all your finances or all your – documents in a binder and maybe making legacy projects, supporting the family when the patient is on hospice and at home with respite care, just sitting bedside, vigil, right? Whatever the family needs, Mm -hmm. I'm there really as the patient advocate 
but it is something that I am offering to the patients that come to the care project that are terminal for free, and then I am for hire outside of the care project. So carrymadrid.com has everything that I do, and um, I'm happy to talk to anyone who's interested in that. I love um, this work that you do because here's the thing, and you and I talked about this before, but we're not getting out of here alive, right? I mean, we are all going to die. Absolutely. It's a fact. And it's a fact, it's and a I fact. always say just like, just like we prepare for a baby to be born, we need to prepare for when a loved one is going to die. And knowing that you're terminal, you have this disease or whatever it is you're going through, it isn't some uh, sudden accident, right? You almost have an advantage right. because you know you're on limited time, and so you have some time to prepare and say all the things and do all the things that you need to do to prepare your family and to prepare yourself. So I help people do that, and I, I think it's just necessary. Oh, it's so necessary because the thing is that, you know, these are conversations that are very hard to have, and there are people who do not, do not want to hear the word death, do not want to have the conversation. Um, and, I, you know, I'll tell you that it is such a gift when you can talk to some when someone is terminal or or has a has an illness that could be terminal and they're scared and they're facing this and and it's such a gift to allow them to talk about it to talk yes. about their death to talk about mm-hmm. their life you know and um when we deny our loved ones that it it really is painful and lonely and so the work Absolutely. that you do is so um it's such a blessing it's a blessing to the patient but it's also a blessing to their family and everybody i want you to go to carrymadrid.com and learn more about this and i wish we had days and weeks and months to keep talking but um but we don't but we've covered so many important things and carrie thank you so much for your wisdom thank you and no, thank uh, you for having it me real a, yeah uh, thank you it's always a pleasure for us to get together and we'll talk again well, absolutely. That'll never end. So I also want to say a special thank you to all of our listeners in the United States and across the globe because we are an international show. And um, after the show today, you can listen to Women Lead Radio on all subscription podcasts. You know, we've got your Apple Podcasts, your iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the one I love the most, iHeartRadio. We are expanding quickly to a daily radio show and podcast. So for now, we'll be back again for another live Women Lead Radio show on Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and also on Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time. And it's always my sincere pleasure to be your host of The Lighthearted Life. Thank you for listening. I wish for you an amazing week. It's the 1st of August. Go out there. By the way, it's Happiness Happens Month. So um, go out there and experience all the joy and happiness and live your best lighthearted life. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where light-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.
com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.